And so I want to take these moments to give some counsel on how to live the rest of your life. What typically happens during these times of graduation is the graduation speech will uh, typically go into some type of encouragement for you to follow your dreams. It can also be stated as follow your heart, follow your passions, live your life. You just do you. Chase what seems right to you, graduate. Behind this statement is the premise that I am my own. I belong to myself. I am my own means I get to define what my own meaning is, my own identity, my own purpose. And while this may sound empowering, encouraging, and exhilarating, it never delivers the promise of a free and fulfilled life and is antithetical to living for God. As a Christian, we're supposed to be little Christ, ambassadors of the king. Christ is to be our life. So I'm not going to give you the typical graduate address. What I want to do today is put before you a choice, a choice that will, you make that will shape the trajectory of your life. And it's an important one. Choose one of these two paths. I am my own or I am not my own. I belong to God. In our time today, I want to show you why the second option is the best and only option. I am my own is the anthem of those who choose to live out their dreams without God. It's for those who are true to themselves. It can be exemplified by this phrase uh, that Carl Truman uh, uh, phrases uh, in his book, uh, and he defines it as this. Each and every single person has a right to feel believe, and think about themselves, however they choose. And after you discover yourself, you're free to express yourself however you decide. In fact, you have to express yourself. Forget about what everyone else thinks. This was the mindset when I graduated from high school and went off to my state school for the first year on college campus in Missouri. It was the mindset that I'm my own person. I get to define everything. Finally, I get to be free of mom and dad hovering over me, and I can do, live my life however I feel. The thing that was interesting was uh, on that campus, people made declarations of Jesus Christ, but they didn't want to keep his commandments. I was forced to make a decision. Who would I live for, Christ or myself? Would Christ be in charge or would I? This I am my own says this, that I am my own, and I'll do whatever relationship I want to do as long as it's fulfilling to me. I am my own, and I will party, and if I need to drink a little bit, it's okay because I'm my own, and it makes me feel good. I'm my own. I have to do what is right for me. If I feel a little bit tired and overwhelmed, you know, going to church, I mean, you, you can add that to the list, but it's okay. You know, I have my spiritual time in the morning. I don't need the fellowship of the saints. Those were the temptations that were thrust upon me. Which decision would I choose? What I saw happening is people said that Jesus was Lord of it all, but wasn't Lord at all. My peers lived this way. In my time, they would say is their own. Their money is their own. Their skills and abilities are their own. Their body is their own. Their life is their own. But Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I am my own is not a 21st century problem, though. It's been there since the beginning of mankind. 
Think of the story of Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of stew. He said to his brother Jacob, let me eat some red stew for I am tired and I'm about to die. What use is my birthright? Esau was consumed by his appetites. He was a man defined by his desires and ultimately he was deceived by his desires. Our society tells us to fulfill the desires of your heart and and if you don't, you'll be inhumane and you won't have future joy. For Esau, it was the exact opposite. It made him inhumane and robbed him of his joy. You see, Esau in the story is actually depicted as an animal. You can see this most clearly in the Hebrew text. There's a play on the name Edom, which came out hairy and red. And that goes with the same with Esau. Uh, it's you would say in the Bible it would be red stuff, red stuff, the stew, his name. Uh, Kevin DeYoung writes this. He was not made nobler for following his heart, satisfying all his desires. He was made lower. He became like an animal. That's what the text wants us to see. Red stuff's red stuff. He's like an animal. In fact, if you remember, Esau was esteemed because he was a skillful hunter. Well, now the skillful hunter has become his own prey by his appetites and has fallen to the trap set by his younger brother. He traded one identity for another. He had a better identity. He was the firstborn of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. He could and should have been the heir to the promises of God, but he gave it away and traded it for another identity because he was enslaved to his desires. His desires didn't work for him. They destroyed him. He was his own man, and he was left broken because of it. You see, I am my own didn't work out for Esau, and a noted celebrity says it didn't work out for him as well. Brad Pitt reflected on this idea, and here's what he says of following your dreams and being I am my own. Here's what he says. Man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, our versions of success, but if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence, isolation, and desperation and loneliness? Then he says in the article, if you ask me, I say, toss all of this. We've got to find something else. Because all I know is at this point in time, we are headed for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being, and I do not want that. The Rolling Stone magazine interviewer goes on and said, so if you are heading toward this kind of existential dead end in society, if you follow your dreams and you follow your heart and you are your own, then what's the thing we should do? Brad Pitt, the celebrity, okay? Uh, the person that is a multimillionaire, dated supermodels, all this. He says this, I don't know. That's it. All his wisdom, all his money, and his answer is, I don't know. He goes on, the emphasis now is on success and personal game. I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. Again, he goes, I'm the guy who got everything. I know, but I'm telling you, once you get everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better and you do not wake up any better because of it. That's just the humble truth right there. 
he ends the article. All success, all fortune, all fame, he's his own, and it doesn't amount to anything. This mentality that I am my own, I don't belong to anyone, it doesn't work out, but you all will be tempted to follow in that path. Graduates, this lifestyle of following your dreams was supposed to lead to prosperity for this generation, but it hasn't. One survey found that 43% of undergraduates felt so depressed that it was difficult to function in the past year. This survey was taken in 2018 before COVID. And 64% said they felt overwhelming anxiety. Back in 2018, two years before the COVID pandemic, the CDC data showed that the U.S. life expectancy had declined for the first time ever. You see, you need to understand something. In industrialized cultures, the life expectancy always goes up and up and up. With the more technology you have, the more uh, medical uh, inventions that you have, everything should be going up. And yet, 2018, it was on the decline. Why? It was largely driven by deaths from drug overdose and suicide. So we may be literally the most wealthy, the fattest, the so-called happiest, have all these things, and yet we're not. You see, this mentality has led to destructions, and statistics say it, the Bible says it, and I'm saying it to you today, don't follow this path. Being true to yourself You see, this mindset, as you guys probably saw in a frozen mindset, it's time to see what you can do, test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Now I'm free. No, we shouldn't let it go, let it go. You see, what's the problem? I am my own, I belong to me, will leave us empty and dry. When you find your own valid, when you say this, you find your own validation in your identity. You see, here's the thing you don't realize. When we say, I'm my own, oh, only God can judge me, is we want someone's validation. We want someone to think that we are right. So while we say we don't live for anyone else, when you have this, I am my own, you're looking for approval and validation in some place. And the thing is, in our culture, it shifts each and every day. For Esau, he got his fill, but when his father came, he wanted his birthright, but he refused it. He was devastated. What are you choosing to find validation in? In our world, our significance, our self-worth is based on what you and I do. That's our world, what they say. So you naturally will seek this in yourselves and others, but they're shifting standards. You're going to be tempted to find your validation in your future degree. Don't do it. You'll be tempted to find your validation in your career and climbing up this ladder. Don't do it. You'll be tempted to find your validation in relationships that you're in, either with a spouse or a friend group. Don't do it. Hear me loud and clearly, graduates and church family. You will never find happiness in what you do. You will never find happiness in what you have. You will never find joy in the temporal things of life. You are not Your own, you were bought with a price. Glorify God with your body. You see, we have this on one side, what our society says to our graduates, I am my own, but what God says to you, what I want to say to you for the rest of the time that we have before we go 
outside for our fellowship is you are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 uh, through 20. Let me go ahead and read what God's word has to say for you today. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul starts off by saying, do you not know? What Paul is saying to them is he assumes the Corinthians are Christians, and he's been asking a lot of questions in this letter. What Paul is doing here is he's trying to give them a reminder that, hey, doctrinally, theology-wise, you should know this. But practically, you're not living it. But you should know this truth that you're not your own. But how are you living it out? Are you fleshing it out in your life? As a Christians, we should know we belong to God, but do we live as if we belong to God? Is it a, just a functional belief? And then he goes on, you are not your own. He says, you're the temple. You're bought with pride. Your body, teens, is the very dwelling place where Jesus Christ resides. Everything you do, everywhere you go, Everything you touch involves the very presence of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. We're indwelt by the living God. And it carries a great responsibility for what you do. We can't go merely gratifying our desires. We have been given a new life with new desires and new goals and new dreams and new ambitions to fulfill that of the King of Kings. We are not our own. And then we were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. The phrase bought with a price is one uh, Greek word which speaks of redemption of slaves out of the slave market by payment of a suitable price. We can't live our lives as if we're in total control because of believers we are not. We were ransomed by God. You see, what you need to understand is you and I were slaves to sin, slaves to self, slaves to seeking satisfaction and validation and everything and everyone but God. But we were created by God for God. And sin came and corrupted our nature. Before Christ, we were not free, but rather in bondage to sin, in captivity to live according to the prince of the world. But God said That is not so for you. He has redeemed us from the marketplace so that we would not have to return there. He said said that the way that you're living, thinking that you are your own, it's no more. You are a slave to the world, a slave to your flesh, a slave to Satan. But he's saying now you're free. Do you realize that? Do you and I realize as we need to preach the gospel to ourselves each and every day that we are literally on a freight train going straight to the pits of hell and yet God saved us from destruction? Okay, he has delivered you. He has rescued you. He has saved you. He has liberated you from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day the presence of sin. So we are not our own anymore. We have to live our lives differently. You see, we were bought with our price 
our master paid an infinitely precious price for our lives. He gave up his very life for us. And if this is not enough, he has adopted us as his children and says that we are now co-heirs with him. We are not our own. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. Tim Keller writes, the basic motive is that God sent his son to save us by his grace and adopt us into his family. So now, because of that grace in our gratitude, we should want to resemble our father. We want the family resemblance. We want to look like our savior. We want to please our father. We have to say no to self and yes to God. You're not to, graduates, live for yourselves anymore. We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to uh, be our own. We're not our own. Let's stop following our hearts that are sick and desperately wicked. We're not our own. Let's stop setting our goals for what is only best for us and not for his kingdom. We're not our own. Let's stop making decisions based on our happiness that don't take into account our holiness. We are God's. Let's live for him and die for him. We are God's. Let his wisdom and understanding rule your hearts and minds. We are God's. Let's strive toward loving him supremely and loving others sacrificially. What would bring joy to my heart, and I know our church family, is when you get off to your college campuses and other things, don't just be a spectator on the sideline. Get in the game. See how you can, even time, how can you go and bless people that may have blessed you in the past? Can you get involved at a church where you're serving in the nursery? Maybe you'll have a crying baby like Xavier in there or my son Amari where you'll have to bubble wrap his head because he always gets bumps on them, okay? I know I've seen how you guys have interacted with my kids and how much a blessing it is. Go bless someone else with that. You're not your own. How can you go and keep on serving him? You see, Pastor J.D. Greer says this to graduates at his church. He says, God made you good at something. Do it well for the glory of God, but do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. What he has in mind is, no, not everyone is going to be pastors and teachers or missionaries, but in whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly to glorify him And do it somewhere strategic where you can get involved in the mission of God. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is where people are going when they die. That's what you want to make your life have a difference and have an impact. How are you affecting people's eternity? You see, instead of following your hearts, God calls us to follow his will and keep his commandments. Instead of, as they'll tell you, bucking against authority and breaking rules, honor your parents, respect your authorities, respect his word. Instead of looking within to find your identity and realizing that that's just going to leave you empty and dry, realize that you are a child of the king, and that's everything. Instead of going your own way, take up your cross daily and follow him. Don't merely live your own story your own dreams, your own ambitions, and your own desires, live for the story that will never end. That's the way to go out here, graduates. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you so much again just for the opportunity to be their youth pastor, to be able to give this final charge to them. I pray that you would go with them, Lord, 
they, they would seek to know and follow you, to honor you, to do what they do, to glorify you, Lord, uh, and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. We thank you for this day in your name. Amen.